Alright. Okay, you guys are too excited for Sunday. You're too excited. Alright, calm down. Calm down. It's Sunday. I know, I get it. I get it. But man. <laughs> you guys have to be like the happiest Christians I've ever met. And I'm glad you go to my church. That's the only good thing. <laughs> Alright. Let's go to Acts chapter 28, beginning at verse 1 through 10. And next Sunday is our Christmas service. But I want to lead you in this word that really just, I believe it's for the season that we're in. And it's in Acts chapter 28, beginning at verse 1 through 10. And it says, Once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold, it was raining, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. And as Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake, driven out by the heat, bit him on the hand. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand, and they said to each other, A murderer, no doubt, though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire, and he was unharmed. They waited, notice this, the people waited for him to swell up and suddenly just drop dead. But when they had waited long, a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their mind and decided he was God. And near the shore where he landed, was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us, he treated us kindly for three days. And as it happened, Publius' father was ill with a fever. And I want you to notice, Paul went in and prayed for him, laying his hands on him. He healed him. And all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. And as a result, we were showed with honor and when the time came to sail, the people supplied us with everything we would need for the trip. For everything we would need for the trip. I want to preach to you on this subject this morning. I know what you need. Come on, say that with me. He knows what I need. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this morning. It is Sunday. It is going to be a good day because, Lord, you do not sleep. You watch over us. You take care of us. And, Father, you know what we need. But sometimes we forget that. And we let fear and worry and panic settle and stress. I believe a lot of us have lost peace because we forget that you are a God that meets our needs, knows our needs. You are a God that says, don't worry. And Father, I just prayed during this season of Christmas, for some it's a reminder of the loved ones that were gone, that are gone, Lord. For others, it's a reminder of financially how problematic things are. For others, it's a season of sadness and not joy. But I pray as we celebrate Christmas that you would help us now and learn this message as we preach it. Use me, I pray, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. 
as we get into this word this morning, I want to explain to you what's really happening in the passage we just read. But God, he told Paul that he was going to go to Rome. Now, Paul was arrested. He had a lot of issues in his life going on, falsely being accused. And as a result, they were going to ship him over to Rome to face trial with Caesar. And God told Paul, I don't want you to worry. This is in my plans. Because when you get to Rome, you're going to be in front of Caesar and you're going to be able to preach the gospel to them. This is a great opportunity. So Paul, I know you don't understand what's going on. I know it seems like life is unfair, but I have done all of this on purpose. So Paul was not afraid. Paul had a level of peace in his mind. And as they boarded the ship, Paul was also told by God that trouble was coming. He knew, he didn't know exactly what type of trouble, but God told Paul that trouble was coming. So as the people were in Crete, Paul tells the sailors and the captain of the ship and the owner of the boat, he says, listen, I know that trouble is coming and I don't think we should sail right now. I don't think it's a good idea right now. But what's interesting is they sailed anyway. And as they sailed, the Bible says that there was a storm, but this was not just any storm. This was a storm that lasted 14 days. The Bible says that the sun did not even shine, nor the stars. And the Bible says that the ship was being destroyed to the point that they were shipwrecked in the island of Malta. And when I read this passage of Scripture, how Paul had gone through prison, and then Paul had gone through this hurricane for 14 days, and now Paul is shipwrecked, and he doesn't know what's going to happen because he's not even in Rome. Now he's in Malta. He's taking this detour in life, and God is not explaining anything to him. God is not telling Paul, listen, this is in my plans. Don't worry about it. This is going to work out. Just relax. Just be peaceful. I'm in control. Paul doesn't hear anything from God. All Paul knows is that he is shipwrecked with no direction. He doesn't know what's going to happen in his life. There is a level of uncertainty in his future. And now God makes no sense. Because he's not even near Rome. So it seems like God was wrong or God misled him. And what is God doing? Because what I thought he would do hasn't happened. I went through this storm. I went through prison. And now I'm shipwrecked. And here's what makes everything worse, in my opinion. The Bible says in Acts chapter 27, verse 21 through 22. I want you to read this and notice what it says. The Bible says no one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, Men, you should have what? Listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You would have avoided all this damage and all this loss. And here's the struggle I have as I read this. 
It is very difficult to go through trials. Amen? It's very difficult to go through setbacks. I get that. But I believe it's extra difficult to get over a trial that's not your fault. I believe it's extra difficult to get over a problem that was caused by someone else's choice, someone else's selfishness, someone else's, someone else's, someone else. Say that with me, someone else. Someone else is the reason you cry. Someone else is the reason you have financial problems. Find someone else is the reason that you're lonely. Someone else is the reason that your life is so difficult. And I believe that people oftentimes will not listen. People will selfishly do what they want to do. And had they listened to Paul, all of this could have been avoided. So in other words, Paul is saying there is unnecessary damage that could have been avoided. There's unnecessary suffering that could have been avoided. There's unnecessary pain. There's unnecessary loss. All of this could have been avoided had they listened and not done what I told them not to do. And now Paul, he's under their choice, their consequences. Now Paul is suffering for their negligence. Now Paul is going through pain because of what they did, their mistake. This is not right. This isn't fair. I told you so. You didn't listen. And because of you, I am now shipwrecked. And I want to ask you this honest to God question. Have you ever been wrecked by someone else's choice? Can I get a witness? Wake up. We're going to preach today. Some of you are wrecked like Paul. You've suffered damage. You've lost things. You're going through unnecessary problems because of someone else. That's what pains me that in verse 27, it says this all could have been avoided. But notice what Paul says. After he says, I told you so. Doesn't that feel great? When you're right. I told you so. And he's shipwrecked. He gets everyone together and says, you should have listened. But Paul says this, take courage. None of you will lose your lives. Even though the ship will go down. You know what Paul said? This ship's going under. But we're going to survive. And I don't know why this impressed on me, but I feel like telling someone today, your ship in life may be going under. You may be suffering damage you don't deserve. You may be going through pain by someone else's negligence. But I promise you in Jesus' name, you're going to survive this season. You're going to survive. 
You're going to get out of this. God is watching you. God is caring for you. And it may not look like you're going to survive. You mean, Paul said this while he was in the storm, not after he survived. He knew with faith, without doubt, without doubt that when God said, I'm going to Rome, and I may be in Malta right now, I may be going through the storm, but I'm going to take courage because I know we are going to survive. And Forward Fellowship needs to know we as a church are going to survive. You as an individual is going to survive. Your family's going to survive. Your children are going to survive. Your marriage is going to survive because all of these things go through storms. It doesn't mean it's over. And I feel like preaching today. That's why God woke me up. You're going to survive. Help me preach too. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, you're going to survive. But remind them, remind them, ship's going under. The ship's going under. Listen, and, and the Holy Spirit's speaking here because listen, there are some, of things, some things in your life you're trying to make float, but God says, no, it's going under. But trust me, had it been our church on that boat and I tell you we're going to survive, you would have thrown me overboard. And you're going to say, well, yeah, survive this, you know, and I don't know, but, but here's where it gets interesting. They survive. They end up in the island of Malta and they're a wreck. And this is what I love about our, our faith and, and even us as a Christian, even us as a church. They survive, but they were a wreck. This is what I love about you guys. Uh, you're going to heaven, but you're going to get there. You're going to look like a wreck. You're going to be wrecked. You say, man, I can't believe I survived earth. Earth was hard. Earth was difficult. Man, I'm wrecked, but I made it. Amen. You're going to make it. It won't be pretty. You're going to be wrecked. But you're going to survive. Verse 3, as Paul gathered, see, Paul was cold, it was raining, he just wanted to make a little fire. You're nothing wrong with that, just a little fire. And as Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake driven out by the heat bit him in the hand. I imagine Paul saying, Really, God? How many of you agree that sometimes you just can't get a break in life? Paul went through prison. Paul went through a storm. Paul went through a shipwreck. And then he says, well, at least I got this fire to warm me up. Ah, and he got bit. And now the snake is hanging. And now he, he's not sure what's going to happen now. The snake bit him. And when I read that, I said, Lord, this makes no sense. Why the snake? You know, I get it, okay, the, the prison, the storm, the shipwreck. But he can't even find comfort in a fire because even there the devil's trying to get him. And the snake bites him. And at that moment, 
at that very verse 3 moment, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't look right. It doesn't look like God cares. It doesn't look like God is compassionate. At that moment, it looks like God lied. He's going to die right there on the spot. But remember, even at the worst, you survived the storm. Paul, you're going to survive the snake bite because you are going to survive. And Paul was there with the snake in his hands. But church, I want to tell you that that snake bite, though painful, though confusing, though scary, would actually be the best thing that happened to Paul. Did you know that through that snake, Paul, that snake bite, that Paul would actually get to Rome? Because of that snake, God would use that snake to bless Paul. And I'm going to explain to you a little later how this snake bite was the best thing that could have happened to Paul. But see, that snake bite was actually on purpose. It wasn't just, I know we blame, oh, the devil, and he's the snake that wants to bite you. Listen, the Bible doesn't say this was even the devil. It was just a snake. A venomous one. That bit Paul, but it was going to be used for God's glory. It was going to be used to get to where Paul needed to be. And I know it doesn't always make sense. But see, sometimes there's things in our lives at the moment, like that snake bite, they're painful. At that moment, it looks like God doesn't care. At that moment that you're alone, crying, trying to survive, when you think that you're at your worst, is at that moment you think God has abandoned you. But see, God does all things on purpose. And we have to be reminded in Romans 8.28 that the Bible says God works. All things. He causes everything to work together for the good of those who love Him, who are God are called according to His what? His purpose. And I know that we read this verse, we might hang it in our living room or on a plaque or in an office. You might look at this verse and say, wow, what an encouraging verse. This is so beautiful. How many of you have ever read this verse and thought this is such an encouraging verse? This is so amazing. This gives me hope. This gives me life. I love this verse. God works all things, all things, good and bad. He works it all together. How many of you, show me your hands. You say, yeah, Pastor, I've read this. I've loved this. I've lived this. It makes me happy to read this. Show me your hands. Listen, read the Bible. Because this verse to me could sometimes look discouraging, not encouraging. Let me explain why. God works all things. Say that with me. God works all things. Got it? All right. But see, the Bible was written originally in Greek. And you read it in the English, you think, okay, God works. He's working it. Yeah, God works. He works. Listen. That word, works together, is literally a Greek word pronounced sudedhio, where we get our word surgery from. Now, surgery today is not how surgery was done then. 
Today, you find a problem, you diagnose it, you get under the knife, you get knocked out with anesthesia, you wake up, problem's gone, you're a little sore, but hey, you're good. But that is not how surgery was done during those times. When surgery was done, it was done without anesthesia, without any comfort, without anything to numb. So when surgery was done, it was done under the most excruciating pain you've ever felt. It was done in ways that seem unhumane. It seems hard. It seems difficult because they would lay you alive right there and get a heated knife and blade and just cut you open. And at best, you had something in between your teeth to bite on to hold the pain. So when you understood surgery during this time, you knew it meant pain. It meant struggle and then heartache it was the worst pain you've ever experienced that changes the way i look at this verse because god says you're gonna go through some of the most painful circumstances in your life you're gonna go through things that you're not gonna think you're gonna survive you're gonna go through seasons that it feels like you're just being stabbed and life is just opening up and it's getting more and more aggressive and more and more painful but even though at that time surgery was painful and agonizing and torturous they volunteered for it because they knew it was needed So even though it was painful, it was necessary. And they needed to trust the surgeon. And the fact that that surgeon would cut them open and they would go through this agonizing pain did not mean the surgeon was heartless. It did not mean the surgeon was unfair. It did not mean the surgeon was cruel. It did not mean that the surgeon had no compassion. It meant that the surgeon was doing it for their good and they needed to trust them. See, that is why God says, I work all things together because even though you go through some of the most agonizing trials in your life, I love you, I care for you, and some of the things you don't understand are necessary necessary for my purpose will you read this different now it doesn't just mean how he works it means you're going under the knife but you're going to be awake for the pain it's necessary romans 8:28 literally means that god allows necessary pain in our life. The fact that Paul was in prison was necessary. The fact that he was shipwrecked and went through that storm was necessary. Even when he got bit by that venomous snake, at that moment he didn't understand it, but it was necessary. It was necessary. Church, God works everything together. The good, the bad, the betrayal, the disheartening, the struggle. It's in these moments of struggle and pain we think, why God and what are you doing? And I don't understand. But if you were under the knife, you would trust the surgeon. You would trust that he's doing it for your good. And that's all God needs from us. 
is to trust that He's a God that says, no matter how painful life gets, what you're going through right now is necessary, even if it's not your fault, even though it was someone else's choice, like the sailors, even though it was someone else's selfishness. Whatever you're going through in the hands of God will work together in Jesus' name for His divine purpose that is greater than anything you can imagine according to His will and not yours. In Jesus' name. So you can trust Him. It's on purpose. He works it all together, but you're going to look at it and you're going to say, well, it doesn't seem like it, but it's never going to seem like it. No one who gets diagnosed with cancer says, oh God, thank you. Clearly I can see why this makes sense. No one who goes through a death of a child says, well, God, this makes perfect sense why I need to go through this. I know this is for your purpose. At that moment that that snake was hanging in his hand, it made no sense. And we have to stop thinking that God always makes sense to us. He does not. That's why he says, you trust me and lean not on your understanding. God works all things. That's why I bought this vinaigrette for you guys here today. Because as I read the ingredients, it says oil, vinegar, salt. It says lemon, onion, Garlic, curry, and mustard. You know that all of those ingredients by itself are nasty. They're bitter. They're bitter. You would not put any of those things in your mouth because it is bitter. If I shake it, Something happens. They begin to work together. So that actually what comes out is good. You cannot look at your situation in a singular text. You cannot say this by itself should be good. No, by itself things are going to look bitter. Things are going to be bad. But when God says, I work everything together for good, it's just like this vinaigrette bottle. It works all together to bring out something good. But notice, in order for it to work, it has to be shaken, right? And I want you to notice something in verse 4 through 5. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand, the snake. And they said to each other, a murderer. No doubt, he's a murderer. Though he escaped from the sea, justice will not permit him to live. But Paul, what? 
shook it off. Had it been me, I would not shake that off. Listen, those people were kind. Got him firewood. Made him a little fire. Quickly, they turned. Accused him falsely. Gossiped, slandered. Did not show compassion. Waited for him to die. I don't know about you, but I think the Bible is saying that a lot of people that were once kind to you can quickly turn on you. People that were once there for you are gone. People that once spoke nice things about you are currently gossiping about you and slandering your name. And I don't know about you, but that's hard to shake off. But what I noticed about Paul, when that snake bit him, he did not get angry at God. He did not get discouraged. He did not say, God, why? This isn't fair. I don't deserve this. Paul did not panic. Paul did not worry. When the villagers saw that snake, they were fearful. They were negative. They were mean. They were discouraging. They were downright evil. But here's why I can't get mad at the villagers. They did not know Jesus. You see, when you know Jesus, you should react to life differently. And I want to preach to you a little harder this morning. There are too many Christians that hold on to things that God says, you better shake that off. It is not that big of a deal. They don't know better. You do. You know Jesus. And when I look at Paul and he gets bit by the snake, they don't run to his aid. They gossip. They slander. They remind him of his past because he was a murderer. They were so evil. But Paul did not cry about it. Paul didn't get mad at them. Paul didn't even defend himself. You know what Paul did? Just going to shake this off. He was different. Because he trusted in the Lord. He trusted in his word. God said, I'm going to Rome, so I don't care if these fools think I'm going to die here. I know that God is not a liar. I'm going to Rome, so I'm not going to spend my time defending myself, talking to you about it. I'm just going to shake some people off. Listen, in the name of Jesus, some people in your life are not worth it. You better shake them off. Shake what they say. Shake what they think. Shake off their opinion. Shake off what they say. And just trust God. But too many of Christians here are holding on to their snake. You came to church like this. You're like, uh, uh, they said this about me. They didn't invite me to the Christmas dinner. They don't want to come over to Noche Buena and you're just there and in Jesus name shake it off shake it off no but, 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 but pastor it hurts <laughs> let's take a praise break I need a break for a minute <laughs> it hurts it hurts. Paul shakes it off. Why? Because your ability to shake is a testimony to the God you trust in. You know, people that don't trust God hold on to grudges. Don't shake things off. Some of you haven't shaken off something that happened in the 90s. In the early 80s. 
Some of you, there are words said to you you can't shake off. There are people that shook you off that you can't shake them off. They left you a long time to get over him. Oof. Ooh, that hurt. Shake it off. They cut you in the line of traffic. Shake it off. No, but Pastor, I gotta, I gotta hold on. Why hold on to the snake? See, when, when you shake things off, it's because you know God works all things. But listen, I don't want to lie to you. No doubt it hurt. You ever been bit by a snake? I have. I had a pet snake once. And I was on the phone with something that broke, and I was with customer service, and I was petting him. His name was Fenton. He had just, you know, he was brand new in our family. My cat and I, I was single at the time. Not anymore, okay? But... Um, <laughs> And as with, I'm with customer service, and Fenton, I made a mistake. I was holding his mouse. The phone rings. It was them. You know they never call back. This was Jesus. And I, and I put the mouse back. I held Fenton as I talked to this woman on the phone. And Fenton smelled the mouse on my hand. And he got his little teeth, and he just dug it in there. And I'm on the phone. And I said, yes, I'd like to talk to one of your representatives. And he wouldn't let go. And I had to maintain my calm because once you hang up, they're going to call you till next year. And I'm there. When I hung up, I just went like this once. And he let go. It hurt. There's no doubt that what you went through hurt. We got to stop thinking that because you're a Christian, you don't hurt. You don't cry. You don't get lonely. You don't get angry. It hurt. Not only did that snake hurt Paul, it left a mark. And some things that in life that hurt you, and they have left a mark on you, and I get that. But you don't have to let it kill you. You don't have to let it hold on to you. When you know that God works all things for good, you'll be surprised how many things you can shake off and you don't have to live offended, holding on to grudges, angry, thinking of the past, thinking of what was said, who's saying what, who's talking what, who's slandering what, who's gossiping what. They said, what about me? I got to prove them wrong. I got to defend myself. I can't believe they weren't there. I can't believe they didn't help. I can't believe they said that. But when you're a Christian, you should be different from the world in the way that you're able to shake things off that the other world we live in cannot. Because you know that God works. You shake it off. You don't lose your peace about it. When you are able to shake things off, it demonstrates the power of God. It's no wonder that when Paul shook that snake off and he did not die, the first thing the villagers thought to themselves, he must be God. Why? They saw God in him. And people need to see the Lord in us by what we shake off and not hold on to. 
But we hold on to so many things. This is a world where people are so offended. People are so evil and they can't let it go. And they're unforgiving and they're bitter and they're angry and they're fault fine and they're negative. And I'm talking about Christians. Let's talk about the world now. We're the type of people that don't let things go. And there's so many people in bondage. Maybe you today, you're in bondage to fear. You're in bondage to guilt. You're in bondage to bitterness and unforgiveness. Because there are things in your life you say, I can't just shake this off. I'm easily offended. I get angry all the time. I hold on to grudges. And pastor, I'm miserable. There's so many things in your life that you could have shaken off a long time ago. They're not worth your peace. It's not worth your time. And I'm not saying you shake it off where you let people walk all over you and take advantage of you. No, because even Paul stood up for himself. Even Paul corrected what was wrong. What I'm saying is you need to shake off those things you have no control over and you leave them to God who works all things together for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. And if you love God, you're going to be okay, I promise. He's working all things together. So shake it off. I pray tomorrow as you go to work and something terrible happens, you just go, you know Cubans do this when something's bad? But I want people out forward to just go like this now. You're not worth it. You know those people in the office that love to gossip? If you don't know them because it's you, we'll we'll preach about you later. You might be one of those villagers. How many of you have villagers in your life? They just look at everything you do. They can't mind their own business. And Paul just shakes it off. But so many people are in bondage because they can't let it go. Genesis 27.40, it talks about Esau and Jacob. Because I get it when strangers hurt you, when people you're not close to, but what do you do when family hurts you? You know Christmas is a time to be reminded of how bad family is? No, I'm I'm being honest. Somewhere near this time now where we have to get the guest list ready for dinner and your Noche Buena or Christmas, you begin to realize who's not coming to this house. Because it's hard when family hurts you. It's hard when family turns on you. Listen, Jacob stole Esau's birthright. Esau was mad. Esau was angry. Esau was holding on a grudge. And his father, during his last few words of life, you know that time when you're at your deathbed and you want to make sure that whatever comes out of your mouth is something that your children will take forever. And I imagine the day, for example, when when my mom is on her deathbed, I know what she's going to say to me. David, just love Jesus. Right, mom? 
just love Jesus and take care of wiener dog or something. I don't know. <laughs> but imagine, imagine his last words. These were some of his last words. He says to Esau, who begged his father, do something, please do something. I, want, I made a mistake. I'm so angry, Dad. And imagine you're telling God right now, I'm so angry, Dad. I can't believe they hurt me this way. God will say the same thing right now that Esau's father told him. He says, you will live by your sword and you will serve your brother. That word serve means to be enslaved. Let me tell you, if there are certain circumstances and people you can't seem to let go of, you become their slave. They control you. They enslave you. They control your joy. They control your peace. They control your happiness. They determine whether you're free or not. See, when you hold on and can't shake things off, the first thing his father told him is you'll be a slave to your brother. Notice what he says. But when you decide to break free, you will what? Shake his yoke from your neck. And a yoke, and it's a symbolic to bondage. And I know that some of us are in bondage to someone else's selfish choice like Paul was right now. You're in bondage to the past. You're in bondage to your childhood. You're in bondage to your parents. You're enslaved by your brothers and sisters. You are enslaved by ex. You're enslaved. When you seem to think, I can't let this go. I can't just forgive him. I can't just move on. And I tell you what Esau heard from his own father. You will be a slave to them. But notice what he said. When you decide to break free. You can shake this off. That's what he told them. One of the last words he said, son, I know what your brother did was hard. I know you're in pain. I know you're crying. I see your tears. I know it hurts. But don't be a slave to him. Son, you can shake this off. And Esau, he didn't listen at first. And he told his dad, I'm going to kill him. But later on, we don't know when, but later on, when he confronted his brother, he hugged him and embraced him. And Jacob said, looking at you is like looking at God. Because somewhere in the journey between betrayal and freedom, Jacob hurt him bad. But Esau, somewhere in between there, Esau said, it's not worth it. And he shook it off. But what frightens me, church, is that his father said, when you decide, it's your choice. It's, it's not, oh, I'll shake it off when my circumstances change. It's not, I'll shake it off when they ask for forgiveness. Some people in your life will never ask for forgiveness. Well, unless they change, I'm not shaking this off. No. God said, 
You decide. Freedom is a choice, not a right. Jesus died on the cross to make a way for us to experience freedom, but you are choosing bondage when you choose to live with grudge and bitterness and unforgiveness, and you can't seem to shake it off. Well, you need to, because if not, you're going to be enslaved. Well, how do I do it? How do I just shake it off? Let me ask you a question. Could you do something about it right now? If the answer is yes, do something. And I don't mean yes, murder them. Yes, hire a hit, man. I got it. Could you do something to change that person right now? Chances are the answer is no. Could you do anything to change that circumstance? Maybe the answer is no. And if that's the case, you're going to say, I'm not going to let this snake hold on to me. I'm just going to shake it off because I serve a God that works all things. He works it for good. That's why Paul had peace. That's why Paul didn't freak out. That's why Paul was just there peaceful because he believed in a God who worked all things for good. And you're probably thinking, well, pastor, how does that snake become the greatest blessing Paul's ever had? Look at verse 7 through 10. Near the shore where we landed was the estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us and he treated us kindly for three days. You see, Publius heard what had happened to Paul, how this man must be God because he survived. And he felt in his heart, I need this man to come to my house. So there it is, God's already working. And for the sake of time, let me just explain what happened here. Blaise finds out. Someone has to come to him and say, Hey, sir, there's a man in this island, and I promise you, a snake, that venomous snake bit him. It held on. He just shook it off. We waited for him to die, and nothing happened to him. He survived. I think it's like God or something. And Blaise said, Well, bring him over. And you know what God was doing? I'm working. And Paul goes over, doesn't know what's going to happen. He's in his house, and probably, I imagine, as Paul's in his house, he's thinking, God, how am I going to get to Rome? What am I going to do? How am I going to make it? I have no boat to get home. We have no way to survive. How am I going to be stuck in this island forever? And I can imagine God saying, I'm working. Three days later, Elias' father gets sick with a fever. Paul must be thinking, oh no, things got worse. If this man dies of this fever, they're going to think it was my fault because these people are superstition and they're going to kill me. Oh my gosh, now I'm definitely not going to go to Rome. And God was saying, I'm working. Pray for him. Pray. Paul prays for him. He gets healed. Word gets around to that entire island. The snake guy can heal. 
And all these sick people come to him and Paul has this revival service and he prays for them and all the people get healed. And you know what's interesting during this whole time? God's working. Because they were so grateful. I want you to read verse 10. As a result, you were showered with honors. And when the time came to sail, the people supplied us with everything we would need. You know why God allowed the snake? Because He said, Paul, you're shipwrecked right now. You need a boat. You have no way to get to Rome, but I'm going to make a way because I'm a God that says, when there is no way, I make a way. And I want us to desperately get this. If it wasn't for that snake, they would not have thought he was God. They would not have invited to Pabias' house. He would not have healed them, healed the people. They would not have been filled with compassion and given everything he needed to get to Rome to finish what God has started. Do you see now why that snake, though painful and unfair, was the greatest blessing Paul had? Because if it wasn't for the snake, he would not have finished what God told him to do. And that snake was the reason God supplied all of His needs. And I want to tell someone here today, He knows what you need. Don't live in fear. Don't live with doubt. You shake that off as well because God knows what you need. And I want to close with this. He knows what you need. Why live in fear? Yes, he went through prison, he went through hurricanes, he went through a snake bite, he went through gossip and slander and betrayal. He knew the people that put him on that island didn't even deserve his love and grace. But listen, God works all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And if you believe this to be true, why would you live with fear? Why would you live with doubt? Why would you choose to live with anger and bitterness and resentment when you serve a God that says, I work all things together for good. It means I can shake anything off. I don't need it to stay on me. I can go through trials. I can go through defeat. I can go through heartbreak. I can go through financial crisis. I can go through sickness. I can go through betrayal because I know I can shake it off because I have a God that works all things together for those who love him and church he knows what you need you see this verse it came to me because I know what you're thinking pastor Christmas come on and I promise you, I had a Christmas message. I'll preach it, God willing, next week. I had it for this Sunday. But it's your fault because someone needed to hear this today. It's your fault. We have no Christmas now. Maybe it's my fault because on, on Thursday I had a meeting with, it was a Zoom meeting with pastors from all over the country. And for like two hours, 
all of us with just sharing what we're going through as a church. We shared how depressed we are, how broke we are. We shared the problems that we have at home and we shared about the, the kids that are just demonic and, and I'm raising them and, and I don't know what I'm going to do. And we talked about everything going on and going on and going on. I heard stories of, of churches closing down and I heard and the devil just said, what if it's you? The devil said, David, what if it's you that has married problems now in the future? What if it's you that, that loses the church? Well, what if it's you in the future that has kids that want nothing to do with God? What if it's you? Because if it happened to them, it could happen to you. And I left that meeting scared. The snake just went, <laughs> and I said, well, what if? And as I read the next morning, this verse, it was like the Lord was saying, would you shake that off what the devil said to you yesterday? Would you shake that off? Yeah, come on, shake that fear off. Shake that doubt off. Shake it. And church, I promise you, I was praying like this and I was doing this. I was. I was saying, Lord, in Jesus' name, fear. In Jesus' name, doubt. In Jesus' name, anger. In Jesus' name, depression. In Jesus' name, I started shaking. I live in front of a golf course. They thought I was crazy. I was just like this. And they were like, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> like the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart I know what you need Matthew 6 8 it says this don't be like them the world the villagers don't be like them for your father knows exactly what you need before you ask him but, but God I need I know but Lord, I need this. I know what you need. Before you even asked me, I knew you needed it. Philippians 4.19, not only does God know what you need, the Bible says, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us through Jesus Christ. Amen, church. He knows what you need. And he will supply what you need. Paul, I know you need a boat. I will give you a boat even if I got to do it through a snake. Matthew 6, 31-32. So don't worry about these things. Saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? Did you notice that all of this is speaking in the future tense? Because some of you right now, the future frightens you. What if? And what's going to happen? What if I can't eat? What if I can't do this, this? And what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Only unbelievers live in fear. But you know Jesus Christ. And He says, but your Heavenly Father already knows all that you need. And He 
he says, verse 33, seek first his kingdom above all else and live righteously. He will give you everything you need. You just put God first and trust him with everything else. Church, will you make this decision like I did two days ago to shake it off and trust in a God that says, I know what you need. I will work it out. And he said to Paul, Paul, I know you don't know how you're going to do it. You don't know how you're going to get to Rome. You don't even have a boat. I know. But what if I told you, Paul, this time in three days, you're going to be setting sail. You're going to be doing what I called you to do. You're going to be okay. Because when I say you're going to Rome, no devil in hell or snake on the ground can stop you I know what you need I will supply your need so don't you worry let's all stand to our feet right now and you come to this altar if there's a snake in your hand this morning and you're saying pastor I'm living with fear I have a need for this I have a need for that I'm asking for this it is time for you to shake the past off shake the fear off shake the gossipers off the slanderers off the sin off and say Lord in Jesus name I'm shaking this off I will no longer live in fear and worry Lord you know what I need before I even ask the Bible says before he even formed you he knew you which means that before you were even born God already knew what you would need on this earth to survive and God will supply your needs to survive you're going to survive you say that to yourself in Jesus name I'm going to survive I'm gonna get through this because I have a God that works all things for good he knows what I need he will supply that need. So I will not worry. And I want church, our church, to be a church. See, as you come to this altar, you are full of snake bites. You are wounded. You are marked. You are hurt. And those people sat back and they waited for him to die and there are people in this life they're waiting for you to fail they're waiting for you to die they're waiting for you to give up they're waiting for this church to close down but in jesus name we have a church that belongs to god not me and this church will be supplied according to god's riches let them talk let them gossip let them think the worst of you. You serve a king, a king of all kings that says, I know what you need. You want peace in your life? You want to shake off fear? You tell yourself, he knows what I need. And you pray right now. Listen, I'm going to challenge you not even to ask God what you need because the Bible says before you even ask, I already know. So don't waste your time telling God what you need. He knows. Why don't you change your prayer and say, Lord, I thank you that you know what I need. I thank you that I will survive because you meet my needs. And Lord, I will not live in fear. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, the people here, 
in our church and in the altar. Father, I can feel the snake bites, the betrayal, the hurt. I can feel the humiliation. But I pray, Father, you give us the strength to shake it off. Not to walk in offense, not to walk in anger, not to live with fear of the future, fear of what's going to happen. So, Father, we surrender to you, and I pray that we will seek you first above all things. Will you surrender that need to the Lord right now? Whatever it is, Bible says he will give you more than you even think, more than you even ask, more than you can even imagine according to his power that's working within you. So fear has no place in your head. Doubt has no place in your heart. And I want to pray for you now with this last statement. You're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. I invite everyone to come forward now. Come on, all of us. We're going to be okay. Tell someone next to you, you're going to be okay. Come on. Some of you walk with that snake on you. It's going to stay in this altar. Come on. You're going to be okay. You know, sometimes I feel like I could have just stood up here and not preached for an hour. I could have just told you, hey, you're going to be okay. And you would have left here praising God because some of you, that's all you need to hear. That's all you need to know. Pastor, I just want to know I'm going to be okay. Well, I'll ask you this. Are you a child of God? Then you're going to be okay. Give him praise. Then you're going to be fine. Because God does not lie. And He says, your Father knows what you need. He needs to be your Father before He can meet your needs. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've got bigger problems than what you're facing right now. So I want to give you first this invitation to make God the Father of your life by asking Jesus into your heart. And I'm going to lead you in another prayer. But if this is you this morning, and you not even you don't even know a father today, you have a God that says, "I will be your father." And it is through Jesus Christ that your sins are forgiven. It is through Jesus Christ we have redemption. And the Father says, "If you believe in Him, that He died and rose again, you will be saved." So you pray this with me. If this is your honest, sincere prayer. You say, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And in my greatest effort, Lord, I know I am lost. So today I put my faith and my trust in you. And I pray that you save me. In Jesus' name. And if you're here today, you're saying, God, I know I'm your child but I'm going through storms. 
I'm going through snake bites. I'm going through betrayal. There are people waiting for me to fail. But you know what I need. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, open the hearts. Church, do me a favor. You put one hand up and you start shaking it. Just shake it for a moment. Whatever it is, thank you for doing that. I just want to see if you guys would do it. Amen. Father, I thank you for our family. Father, I pray that you give us the strength to shake it off. Not to be a slave to that thing or person anymore. To trust you for our needs. Not only as a church, but as individuals. Help us not to worry, but to trust you. Because I know, without a doubt, your word proves to be true time and time again. Father, we just humbly come before you, declaring we're going to be okay. We're going to survive. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, give God some praise this morning. Amen. Take it off, people.